and how we overcome through faith in Christ wearing our spiritual armor. So we are now we're going to be talking about the shield of faith, which in many ways it could be the most important piece of armor, a shield that, that we wear in, in combating spiritual warfare. So let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for moments to share the gospel, Lord, and I pray that our hearts will be open to receive what you have for us today. I pray, Lord, that you might use me as your instrument through your Holy Spirit to uh, share your word and proclaim your word. And we just thank you, and I pray that hearts will be open to receive all that you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Roman soldier's battle shield was the most important and effective line of defense in combat. And these shields, would, would, what they would do is they would block uh, swords, spears, and arrows used by the enemy. And without these shields, they were very vulnerable targets. So this is very important. And if you look at Roman history, history of the Romans, uh, these soldiers, these Roman soldiers, they would really, they, they were, they were el- elbow to elbow together. And with their shields, and oftentimes what they do in their, in their certain area around them, when the enemy was attacking, they'd all gather together, and they just kind of, you know, with their shields up, creating like a, like a canopy over them. So... I'm going to talk about the shield of faith and how important that is to Christians today. Let's look again at Ephesians 6, 16. Paul said, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The most dangerous weapon of ancient warfare was the flaming arrow. The heads, the heads of these arrows were wrapped in, in flax. And then they were soaked with pitch. What that means is that back in those days, they used a material to wrap the, the arrowhead. And then with a flag, like a tar kind of com- a substance, they put around it, and then they would launch them. The shield was covered with a layer of hide. And this hide, what they would do, they would saturate this hide with water. And that, for that purpose, because leather retains water. And so when those arrows would come in, even though the arrow penetrated the shield, the fire would be quenched. For the Christian, the shield of faith is the most important spiritual armor because it protects us against Satan's piercing arrows designed to penetrate our hearts and cause us to doubt in our minds. Satan wants to place doubt in our minds. To destroy our relationships and to drive us away from God. I was just talking to my brother Chris this morning about one of my, it's one of my concerns. We had a conversation about churches and my daughter's church, uh, they had two services and now they're down to one. We're seeing more and more of this across our land that people just aren't coming to church like they used to. And it's becoming more and more of an issue. And Satan tries to stir confusion in our spirits. Again, his purpose is to drive us away from God. His purpose is for you to come to any church, whatever service you are in, 
And he wants a plan in your mind. Why are you here? Oh, man, that, he's a lousy preacher. He's not making any sense. He's slurring his words. He's, he's confusing words. He's doing this or that. That's what he wants. He wants to sidetrack us. And I remember years ago, uh, it, was bef- it was after the worship service was over, one of uh, my worship uh, leaders uh, came to me and said, you know, you, had, you, you talked about in, in part of that message, you know, about women, and I thought it was a little bit chauvinistic. And what bothered me about that, first of all, he misunderstood what I was trying to say. In my opinion, he did. But my, my thought was, did he spend the rest of that time concerned about what I just said? You know, what Satan can do, he can take a thought or whatever. He can plant. If you, if there's something that a pastor says or whatever, if that's etched in your mind, then you, you can't get out of that. You keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. So Satan has all these ways that he uses all these devices, all these arrows that he shoots at us to discourage us and to distract us. Amen and amen. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Paul reminds us our standing in Christ determines our faith in Christ. To walk in the Spirit means to live under the control of the Holy Spirit, influenced by what? Influenced by God's word. This shield of faith protects us from the flesh. And if you look at Ephesians uh, 16 again, verse 16 talks about the flaming arrows of what? The evil one. He's always shooting those arrows at us. Where we are, he's shooting at you. He's shooting at me, these flaming arrows. And we're all targets. We're all targets. Amen? I had a, a few. I felt like a pincushion years ago. I was in Princeton pastoring there. And for what? For ten and a half years or whatever. Great many people were, were wonderful there. They treated us wonderfully. Uh, got a lot of good things. But I was antsy. Coming off of at that time years ago, of uh, Rick Warren's uh, spirit-driven church, you know, what is a uh, purpose church, all-purpose church, whatever it was, as, as, uh, and then uh, driven faith, purpose-driven faith, so on. So all this was coming out back in those days, and you had all these seminars on how to build a church, how to build a church based on Rick Warren's book's purpose-driven church, and taking all those principles and trying to apply it to your church. What it did for a lot of uh, Pastor, it spawned visions of grandiosity to be the big church, to be Calvary, have thousands of people. And I thought of that, and Satan started working on me. I shared a little bit of this story, but I'm going to put a different spin on this, on this part of the story. And so I was getting antsy. I've been there for ten and a half years. Uh, Mentioned in a small town, Prince of 7,000 plus. I thought, hey, I'm ready for bigger and better things. And, but I saw Presbyterian, and, and it's very hard to find evangelical Presbyterian churches in Presbyterian Church USA. 
And I was USA Presbyterian. And so I start searching and searching, and I found one. I think Satan just put that right under my nose. It was uh, a Presbyterian church in San Jose, and they were evangelical. I thought, evangelical, good, God must be in this. I start talking to myself about God must be in, into this. So through this whole process, Satan was blowing in my ear. You know, this is good for you. This is right. This is right. You want your chance. This is your moment. You can be a star. San Jose, Silicon Valley, that's it. That's the hub. That's where you want to be. Resources galore. You know, so I started searching that church and searching more and more, and I was becoming more convinced that's where God wanted us to be. Notice I said I was more, Jan was not. Jan was always the smart one. Jan was not convinced, but I was. And my friends, they weren't convinced. So what I did is I took all my instincts as a pastor. I set them aside because of pride. I set all that aside because I thought I could be Rick Warren. Or I could be John Hagee. Have this big mega ministry. So the more research I had done of this church, it fed my own human desires. I thought, golly, I got a multi-staff here, ready to go. I, got mo- I have so, so much money in that church. I didn't have money problems. All I had to do is figure out to be creative on how to spend the money. So it had all these ingredients. It's right, it's right, it's right. And so we went. I said, well, here's what comes in. So we were there for about a year, as you know. Then Jan became ill, and she couldn't work. She was working as, you know, full-time as a nurse. Then she worked hospice. And then things, the wheels started to come off. I thought, well, she had to basically stop working. We're in Silicon Valley. The land of the engineers. The average salary out there is off the charts. There's so much money to be had, and they were paying me very well. I had, ready for this, I even had a, uh, an inter- entertainment allowance, if you can believe it. I'm going to push for that next week at the board. They gave me like, it was almost, almost four grand, oh, $3,600, whatever, just to go golf. Or to take, hey, hey, Chris, or hey, Larry, let's go golf. It's on me. It's on me. You want lunch? It's on me. So I had all these perks in this church, and the church is wonderful. church had so many, it had four buildings. We had a campus. We had a gymnasium. We had all of those things. I thought, golly, how cool was that, I thought. And we did, upon occasion, we'd have our board meetings in the gymnasium area. There was offices surrounding that where we'd take a break from our, our board meeting and go out and shoot hoops. I thought, we, I have arrived. This is it. What a place to be. And see all the possibilities of growth around us. That was not God in it for me. That was not. Jan became ill. You know why? This is all on me. Because she knew that we weren't to be there. 
That's on me. That's the bad news. I own that because I wanted something from the flesh. Then I was dead wrong. And what Satan did, he used that. He used that. He turned the screws on me in so many different ways out there. And finally, finally, God is merciful and he opened up my eyes and my heart. And we left, we spent many hours probably through those years praying and, and praying, praying, ask God, give us revelation of what happened. It all came back to me. It wasn't her. We weren't unified. All the things that I, I shared and preached about with people, well, husband and wife, you guys need to be unified. And I believe that with all my heart. If you're going to make a, a major decision in your life with your spouse, then you, you need to have unity. If you don't have unity and peace about it, then don't do it. I violated every one of those principles to be out in San Jose. Well, here I am. All the, when we left, I felt so relieved also that God convicted me and I asked for forgiveness and all those things I was supposed to do. And so I learned a lesson. You know, I learned a lesson. And so that's a good thing, isn't it? Amen. I learned really what it means to be humble. And I was humbled. And I've spent most of my time in ministry in, in the smaller church. And I love every minute of it. Some were made to be a John Hagee. Some were made to be a Billy Graham. Some were made to be just the middle church pastor. It does not matter as long as you are what Christ wants you to be. Amen and amen. So, now I just poured out my life to you guys. So I hope you will forgive me and say, how shame on you, Pastor. I hope you don't shun me because you think I was so mean to my wife. But uh, I hope you get the idea. That leads to our common struggles. We all have this. We all have our common struggles. One of my struggles, you have your own. Ephesians uh, 6.12, for a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul was sounding the warning, the warning call to the Ephesians and to us of evil forces that surround us. Let's go back in history. Let's go back into uh, American history back in the 1880s or 1870s, I guess it would be. And that is, um, how many would you know about uh, General or Lieutenant Colonel uh, George Custer? Any hands? Okay, pretty much all of us know about, about Custer. But let's look at his story for a moment. And this is what I get out of history about George Custer. George Custer, in my mind, after reading history, was a glory monger. Custer wanted glory. He wanted prestige. He wanted recognition. Then after the Civil War was over, then you had the Indian issue out in the West. 
And so he wanted to go be an Indian fighter and fight the Indians and, and corral the Indians. Back in those days, Indians were basically, they were nomadic tribes. They would go here, there. They'd go where the buffalo, where they could hunt. That's, that was their life. And so as, as we progress, as you know, in history, then the Calvary, their goal was often was to try to corral the Indians and keep them on the reservations. So that was Custer's call. But he saw this as a great opportunity to make a name for himself. His pride was getting in his way. So he, he took orders to go to the, around the Bighorn area and to corral the Indians and kind of keep them in one area and then, then eventually uh, you know, lead them to the reservation. And then I'm, I'm going with this because I think it's important. And also, he's there to map out forts along the, along the Bighorn. And that's what he did. He took the 7th Cavalry, they marched out, and he had his, his scouts going ahead of him, scouting where the Indians were, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he wasn't getting reports. He got antsy. He wanted to do things on his own. He didn't want to wait for, for this report or that report because he wanted to... Th- his plan was to take the Indians by surprise. So what he did, he took the 7th Cavalry, he divided them up into three groups, four actually. He was, he, he was the fourth group. And he sent them in different areas in that, in that territory. And so he took his 7th Cavalry, he said, what we're going to do is we are going to pursue them and surprise them, the Indians. He didn't realize what he was getting himself in for. He ignored the warnings because he had another agenda. As a result of not of ignoring the warnings, George Custer and his that seventh Calvary portion of it, they fell victim to the piercing arrows of the Lakota, the Sioux, and the Cheyenne nations in particular. In one hour, it was over. That battle that we read about was over in one hour. And history tells us that usually, I don't want to be too graphic, usually during back in those days when there were Indian uh, conflicts or whatever, the Indians would literally massacre, ma- massacre the bodies. They didn't with George Custer. What they did with Custer, and this is kind of interesting, is they did not scalp him. They did not uh, mutilate his body, but they cut off his ears. Why? Because they said he didn't listen. Think about that. Custer didn't listen. Because of his arrogant pride. See, The devil has been working for years and years and years. He worked on that one man out of his arrogant pride. Hundreds and hundreds of Calvary men lost their lives. Again, victory over the powers of this dark world come from building on the shield of faith. We have to have the shield of faith in order to find the victory. Amen? And amen. Now, I want to go to number, number three, and that is putting our faith into action. Let's look at Hebrews eleven four 4 
through 6. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You have to read Hebrews 11, chapter 11, because it gives, I call it, this is the faith hall of fame. So here he gives us two heroes of the faith. You know, first one was Abel. Abel was awesome because Abel's faith sacrifice, the Bible tells us, was more acceptable than his brother Cain's. So with Abel, he was condemned because of his righteous faith. He was a man of God. He followed God. He was faithful to God. But how about his brother? His brother's sacrifice was influenced by self-centered motives based on human faith. As we read from the word of God, Genesis 4, you want to go to, we'll read story about Cain and Abel. And because of the sin of his anger, he had terrible, terrible anger and jealousy of his brothers that caused him to murder his brother. That's a lot of anger, and that is a lot of jealousy, I would think. So, Enoch, I love it. Now, if you look up Enoch in the Bible, golly, there's not a whole lot on him. All we know about him is that he was very faithful and obedient. God says he was faithful and obedient. That's the word says. And because of, because of that, he was called righteous. He was a righteous man. Who can have faith such as these? Can we have faith such as these? Can we? You know, we look at all these heroes of the Bible. You read your word of God, and the Bible says, hey, they're just like you. They sin, but they have faith. They have chosen to follow me. We can have faith such as these. Friends, we must have faith. Faith in the God of creation. Faith in God the provider. Faith. In his mercy, God's mercy, his grace, his justice, his peace, his righteousness. Faith in his love. Faith in God's love. Do you have faith in God's love? Faith in his word. Read your Bibles. There's truth in the word of God. Faith in his son, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross for us. Faith, faith in God's plan of salvation. Without such faith, it is impossible, the Bible says, 
to please God without such faith. It's impossible to please God and find protection from the devil's schemes and evil plans. I'm going to finish with uh, my fourth thought, strengthening and stretching our faith. From 1 John 5, 3 through 5. This is the love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Listen to this. Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John says if we are to strengthen and stretch our faith and overcome Satan's schemes, we must focus and believe in Jesus Christ, the object of our faith. Verse 5, verse 3. And his commands are not burdensome. God's commands are not heavy burdens that we must carry because as followers of Jesus Christ, we are what? We are overcomers. As followers of Jesus Christ, we can thrive. We can thrive in God's righteous commands. I've heard so many people say, oh, I don't want to follow God. You know, all these do's and don'ts and principles and and promises, things we're supposed to follow, these God, I don't want to do that. They're a burden to me. If you are in Christ, they are not burdens. They're privileges. They're privileges. What God gives us in his word are for our own good. Therefore, why should they be a burden to us? If we believe they're for our own good, then they're not burdensome, are they? You know, I shared my story, but let's share about Abraham. Abraham is called, what, the father of faith. Do you think Abraham ever sinned? You think Abraham ever succumbed to Satan's attacks? Well, consider this. After years in the promised land, without children, Abraham and Sarah, uh, they became anxious and discouraged. So Sarah devised a plan for Abraham to what? To have a child with her servant, Hagar. We know the story, right? Initially, Abraham, mm, he really doubted her plan, but he gave in to the woman. Notice how he said that. It's always the woman's fault. She tempted him or whatever. No, but really, she gave in to the woman. And finally, he did surrender. But listen, the result of Abraham's union with Hagar was the birth of who? Ishmael. Which really, that birth has caused caused major conflict, major, major conflict throughout history between the Arabs and the Jews. Why? Because Satan convinced them to go it alone. 
They didn't need God at that time, did they? Let's take matters into our own hands. So this is my plan. This is what we're going to do. We know God is there, but you know what? We're going to help God. We're going to help God here. Because they failed. Listen, they failed to take up the shield of faith. Are you with me? They failed to take up the shield of faith. Friends, if we are to overcome the devil's attacks, we must embrace the only source that will extinguish his flaming arrows. The shield is a reminder that God is always protecting and thinking of us. Do you hear what I just said? God is always protecting and thinking of us. What an awesome truth. If anything, if anything, get this. Get this truth. No matter what you are going through, no matter what it is for you, no matter how Satan is beating you up this way or that way, no matter the relationship, whatever it is that's driving you insane, God keeps you in his thoughts. God keeps you in his thoughts. That just really struck me to think that, you know, I heard this. This came from Augustine. Ever heard of Augustine? No? And he's one of the early church fathers. Oh, he was my guy. I really like his works. He once said, God is more anxious to, to uh, bestow his blessings on us than we are to receive them. Think about that. Isn't that true? If God loves us so much, he wants to bless us. He wants us to be happy. He really does. He doesn't want us to feel good. He wants us to feel great. That's God. That's an amazing thing. As much as we want to have the blessing, feel good and great, God wants to give us even more. That's his pleasure. So as I close, I'm going to ask us the question. I'm going to leave you with this question. Well, we, will you rely on him and take up the shield of faith? If you're dragging your feet, that's the question that you need to answer. God has given you this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that God has given you, brother and sister in Christ. To serve him and to serve him and be glad and be glad. God loves us so, so much. And it doesn't matter what we've done, it doesn't matter how Satan can try to get in there and influence us. If we put on the shield of faith, We are overcomers. We are blessed. Do you feel blessed? I feel blessed. I blow it every day, but I'm blessed because I know that my Lord and my God is there to forgive me and to bail me out. So I close with this. God is our helper, And he's our shield. He's our helper. 
and he's our shield. We just have to take up the shield of faith and believe it and walk in it. Amen.